This episode is brought to you by Veep on HBO. The final season of Veep was hailed by critics as sharp and always excellent, as brutally funny as ever, and TV's greatest comedy. Emmy-nominated for Outstanding Comedy Series in all other categories. Visit hbo.com FYC for more on Veep. We know that Bill Hader is a master impersonator, but what you may not know about him is that he's an action director on the rise. He takes his HBO comedy series, Barry, and shoots it out of a cannon in season two with two episodes that he directed, the season finale and a great chase episode entitled Ronnie and Lily. He's received directing and writing Emmy noms for that episode. Here's our latest crew call with Bill Hader. My first question is, you know, in the wake of directing your two episodes for um, season two, have you heard from Schwarzenegger or Dwayne Johnson? Because what's amazing is you used to be a PA. You were PA on, on Scorpion King and on Collateral Damage. And here you are. You've made this, like, kick-ass episode. You made two, two, two great episodes. This kick-ass episode, Ronnie and Lily, mm-hmm. which is just – I mean, you can direct an action film. Oh, Seriously. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Um, no, those guys haven't reached out to me. Um, I don't even know if Arnold knows I was a PA for him. I know Dwayne Johnson does because when he hosted SNL, I said, "Oh, I was on the Scorpion King," and he was, you know, he's like the nicest guy in the world. But um, no, none of those guys have <laughs> said anything. Um, it's more when I went to the DGA Awards last year. It was some of the uh, ADs I worked with, a couple of them, and a couple of people I PA'd with who are now you know, UPMs and line producers and first ADs and stuff are coming up going, Hey man, this is crazy. You know, like, so, uh, no, it's, that's super satisfying considering, yeah, that was like 20 years ago. (laughs) So, so for Ronnie, for Ronnie and Lily, I understand it came together. The, someone had said to you, Hey, uh, one of the stunt coordinators said, "Hey, I know this girl. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she knows a lot of karate. Yeah, and it kind. Of, tell me about the genesis <laughs> of this of this Emmy nominated um, episode. Um, well, I guess what happened was was um, where do we start? So we were uh, we were going. It was this, you know the break between uh, seasons one and two. Um, I have a notebook and I just was keeping notes." And we knew going in, uh, spoiler alert, everybody, uh, uh, going into season two that we wanted Loach to, to set up first half of the season at Loach has got Barry and, and working with Fuchs. And you think Barry's, uh, you know, cornered. And then the reveal was that Loach wants him to kill his ex-wife's new boyfriend, uh, uh, Ronnie Proxen. And so we knew we had that. And so I wrote that down. And then on another page, I had written, you know, uh, Wade Stunt Girl, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> Wade Allen said, you know, there's this girl named um, Jessie and her parents are stunt coordinators and they um, uh, she's amazing. And he had this video on his phone of her running across the roof of a house and jumping onto a moving car uh, that was made by like uh, it was like on an iPhone. You know, it wasn't like in a movie. And then she's in a commercial where she's a little girl um, in like a, a soapbox derby race. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that, a, yeah, I know that. It was like a, that commercial. So That's an she, excellent commercial. Yeah. yeah. And then she was also in, um, I think, Captain Marvel and some of these other things. And, and She's five? 
she's no, she's eleven. She's eleven. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I thought, oh wow, that's that, that looks great. So I had written that down, and I had written um, "Fight in Rite Aid." I don't know why. I just was like, it'd be great because it's just very cinematic, and I just went, oh, it'd be nice to have a fight in a Rite Aid. And um, so all these things, as we were writing season two, I had my notebook and I was going through it and I thought, oh, man, as we were dialing it in um, I and we were outlining, I said, oh, it'd be great if um, so the Ronnie Proxen Barry's has to go kill Ronnie Proxen. What if this little girl was his daughter and she was hiding and you kind of went, oh, gosh, Barry has to kill a child. And then you realize, oh, she's not from this world and she um, mortally wounds him. That'd be fun. And then it was like, okay, then, oh, they have to get stitches. They're going to have to go to a Rite Aid. A Rite Aid. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so the little girl goes into the Rite Aid? No, that, that, that'd be crazy. And well, what if Ronnie's not dead and he's back in the Rite Aid? Oh, that's great. And it all within this span of a minute came together in my head and then i i wrote that on my own we i kind of told the room okay i here's kind of what happens and then i went and wrote it and then presented it to them and then they gave me some notes and i went back and did a rewrite was was the notion of chate it's like clouseau and cato but bloodier (laughs) did that way did that was that like, what were some of your inspirations here? Uh, like, I know Evil Dead was like. Oh, that was you know, a thing when I was a kid. On. Yeah, but like yeah. for this, um, weirdly, um, um, all through season two, the episodes I directed, um, the the filmmaker that I was watching a lot was Andre Vida, the war his war films. There's a Criterion collection of all three of them: a Generation, Canal, and Ashes and Diamonds. And I was watching those and the way. I was just this Polish school of filmmakers from that era, the way they use the camera. Um, It's always very motivated. It's usually kind of wide lenses, natural light. Um, So I showed that to the DP, Paolo Widobro. We watched uh, some of those. And um, and I think Roma had come out. So we had seen Roma, and then we went, wow, this is so beautiful. So I can't not watch the ending of Ronnie Lilly when Barry's walking, you know, towards Fuchs and it's this big wide dolly shot. And I was like, Oh, clearly we had seen Roma the week before. (laughs) This is such a Roma shot. Um, and, uh, but I don't know. It kind of, it's a big, I mean, there, you know, when Fuchs crashes the cop car, when we were figuring that out, I remember, Oh, this is like the blues brothers. And then there's a shot, in the Riot Aid fight where Ronnie goes to kick Barry and he misses him and goes through a um, uh, an aisle of it, it like a, and uh, and crashes and stuff and the camera kind of we angled it so it looks like he's about to hit him and then as he gets close you realize he's way off and it kind of pans with him and then Barry comes out of that to reveal Ronnie on the floor and you see people filing out in the background and. As I was lining that up, I was like, oh, this is a very Blake Edwards-y type shot. You know, he would always do that. Not so much in the Pink Panther movies in my head, but in, in, in 10, that movie. It was all, that movie, kind of wide angle, and he would pan off an action, and then the people would kind of catch up into the shot. And um, But again, it's it's not uh, conscious. It's It's kind of just like, I don't know. This is the inspiration right now. Let's see what we can. Did you fig- you know the the blo- the 
did you, action scene by action scene, did you have that written down ahead of time, or did you figure that out on set with your AD and your DP? Um, it's a little, it was all written out. Everything was pretty clearly written out. Um, uh, the fight scenes were all written out, and then some of the stuff we couldn't do, and then um, we would we would kind of adjust once we you know built the set and everything. I remember I wanted a thing where she ran along. She's kind of in there where she jumps off the kitchen island onto my back, but I wanted that to be more of running and you're low with her kind of running behind her. And as she's running, she grabs a knife and then jumps up. And it just um, – uh, my son Cornier went, that's impossible. <laughs> where did you shoot their homes? Where were their homes? Uh, it was all in Willen Hills. Okay. And then the interiors are stage. That's all okay. stages. But the exteriors – that's a funny story. So the Ronnie house, the exterior is in Woodland Hills, and then we had to go – that's a dead-end street. And so then we had to go find a house for her to cr- crawl up the roof on. And, and uh, we found a house that had a tree next to uh, next to the roof. And I remember Aida Rogers, the producer, was like, she could run up here and then you know jump onto it right here and – and uh, Gavin Kleintop, the first AD, who deserves a lot of credit for this episode, he was just phenomenal and fully got what I was going for. He, um, you know, we shot it on my phone a couple of times, and it was fine. And then um, and then I was kind of walking back a little like, I don't know. And we were walking back to the scout van, and uh, Aida went, um, there's a house two doors down from the Ronnie Proxen house. And she goes, what you want is a house like this with that roof, but there's a tree right here. And I went, yes. And I was like, so let's, we got to build a tree. And there's like that deathly silence if you're a director <laughs> that sometimes happens where you go, we have to build a tree. And she went, how, what do you mean? I go, I don't know. We just need to build a tree. Um, and she scampers up here. She's sitting here. She runs over there. She scampers up. Camera's back here. Fuchs. So we need a tree right there. And then I just walked back <laughs> to the scout van and sat down and kind of watched them through the windshield, all kind of discussing probably like, asshole. <laughs> how the and fuck, got, how are we going to do this? And you, you got know? your tree? Yeah, I was like, yeah. and then she was, I remember I had to come back. She's like, we're going to have to do it in VFX. I think we know how to do it. We're going to, we're going to, it's going to be, um, Wade, the stunt coordinator is going to build a, um, it's like a rock climbing wall that'll be all green. Uh, that we can key out, and then Josh, our VFX coordinator, is going to lay in a tree over it. And then I was, I just, I think, scared Josh. I was like, it's got to be photo real, man. It has to be completely photo real because I'm going to hold on it for I a while it. before she runs up it. And he was like, no, I know, Bill. And he's actually really unflappable. He was like, I know, don't, don't. So don't who even. tells you, who, do you who, <laughs> who would tell you no on the set? Like, oh, oh, a lot of people. <laughs> People, mostly the actors. Uh, uh, no, I, uh, I think uh, you know Alec Berg will say, "Are you really wanting to shoot at this? We could go this way with it." And, and sometimes right or Paolo Dobro or DP. I remember the big long fight scene. I had choreographed it where it was all against one wall, and then it went into the bathroom. And then there were, the, you know, you see the the dent on the other side, the crack, and then they fell. Um, back in and we kind of backed up with him but it was all on that side of the room and I walked through it with Paula and she was like 
don't you want to use the whole room? <laughs> and I went, oh, yeah, you're right. She's like, why would you not use the whole room? And she's like, let them go out of frame and then let us kind of slowly catch up with them because I was like, I don't want it to feel like rad. I don't want it to be a cool action scene. I kind of want it to just feel like you're uh, kind of the camera is kind of um, judging them, you know, and so and you're kind of ashamed of them. So they're kind of going in and out of frame and that that was Paolo's idea. Now in the in the in the in the season finale, what was your inspiration for the your raid, Barry's raid on the um on the Temple House? Oh, it's so funny that you say inspiration because, because the, yeah. that is that again, amazing. Oh, thank you. Um that was always there. I remember calling, I was on the set of It Too and I was working out that sequence kind of just in my head um, and talking to Alec Berg about it. And I remember calling her, uh, you know, saying, well, I'm, I'm going to need a hallway. We're going to need a big hallway. Like Barry's going to be going down this hallway and um, I need a door at the end of the hallway and he's going to smash through it and shoot this guy. And there's going to be, you know. Um, and then once we saw the monastery, it, again, it was kind of that Anjay Vida thing of um, how can I do this? and have a lot of movement in the frame and um and and have it be all very motivated but with very few setups um so it is if you watch it i mean it's just coverage of me coverage of the guys being shot i mean coverage meaning a shot of me shot of them and then it's just it's two dolly shots and that's it you know and and um but that it, it, it's like I um, I photoboard. I have an Artemis uh, this app on my what a lot of people use on my phone, and I so I photoboard it. And then once we photoboard it, it's like writing. You start losing shots. You actually go from here to here. So I don't need this shot. I can go here to here. I don't need that shot. And some people would say, "Well, shoot it anyway, just so you have it." But I, I kind of. I like less options in the editing room, weirdly. I think it's because I grew up sh shooting stuff and editing in camera. So that's just what you had. It was what you had, you know? And um, I'm sure I'll, you know, grow out of that. But my editors, every time they come in, they're like, you only shot three shots of this. I'm like, well, we got it. <laughs> I don't know what. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not Kubrick <laughs> doing a thousand takes. We also just don't have a lot of time, you know. It's it's uh, you know, um, Paula, the DP, is very good at, at you know that shot in episode in Ronnie Lilly when where she runs up the. I said I want this to all be in one where she runs up the tree onto the roof, and she I never would have spotted this, but she spotted that the the take that was really good, which I was like, okay, we got it. She went, go watch it again. And I watched it, and she goes, look, the, the dolly's leading him a bit. He's not center frame. He's a little off, and it's leading him a bit. I, I think we should go again just to make sure that the dolly shot is is just steadier and, and on him. And I was like, okay, good. You know, we go back. And th those are things that I'm kind of learning. This episode is brought to you by Veep on HBO. The final season of Veep was hailed by critics as sharp and always excellent as brutally funny as ever, and TV's greatest comedy. Emmy nominated for Outstanding Comedy Series and all other categories. Visit hbo.com slash FYC for more on Veep. I'm going to jump to the, to the last moment of, um, of season two, the, with the Eure Kusinau's Eureka. Yeah. Um, 
if you could tell us for the podcast how you arrived at that, where he realizes it's 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 Barry. Yeah, Barry did it. He remembers he remembers Fuchs telling him. Here's my if you could tell us about how you arrived at it, but also, and I mean this in a good way, it's such a brilliant ending. Do you think you put yourself in a corner because now it's complete fallout? Mm-hmm. Season three is a very I mean Kusinow's his new commander. Yeah, his and 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 his. I was going back and watching stuff. He's like your ther- He's your therapist. Even ju- I, I know acting teachers that yeah. used to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> used to charge for therapy. Yeah, no, it's you know, true. I mean, you you're constantly kind of changing the. Uh, um, well, again, it's all organic. I mean, all this has to be kind of intuitive and organic. And the reason that came up was because we, in the writing, got to this place where Fuchs had Cousineau out in the woods and was going to show him Janice's body. And then he pops a trunk, shows her the body, and then he's going to shoot him in the back of the head. And then Fuchs can't shoot Coos in the back of the head because he isn't like Barry. He doesn't have that. He can't do it. It's not as easy as he thinks it is. And then he runs away. And then we were in the writer's room, and I think we – and this is – I think Alec and I do this a lot where we go, well, why why would he not just say – why would he just run away? Why wouldn't he say Barry did this? And – um. And you could feel it in the writer's room, and I get it because I do this too, where you go, well, that changes the whole show, and so let's find a reason why he wouldn't say that. you know. Like, And then we were getting into dumb conversations of, you know, the sirens are so loud that <laughs> he says it, but Kusno doesn't hear him, or did he hear him, and all this stuff. And I remember Liz Sarnoff, our writer, went, no, he says it. This is He would say that. And Kusno's going to hear him, and I think Kusno. I think what a better ending to this season of Kusno finding out. <sighs> All right, you know. And then, so it was there with a big question mark next to it of like. And then when we even shot that ending, there was always a version where you got out with just Barry going into darkness, and it just the credits came up, and that was it, you know. And we didn't shoot that. Wow. And uh, so. We played so there it. An there was an alternative, and then we showed it. Our editors, everybody was like, you got to have that. It's so good. And it just also just turns down to logic and people like emotions of why wouldn't Fuchs say that? And that's Fuchs's way of shooting him in the back of the head is with his with his mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's where that's where that's where his violence is. You know, do you see a um I, I know you can only say so much about the the next season, but do you see this being a finite number of seasons, or are you taking it one season at a I time? We, I mean, uh, you know, ask me one day, I'll say, yeah, I think it's a finite number of seasons, but I don't, I don't know how many. But and then, you know, yeah, then then you you know, ask me today, and I say, oh, no, we just take it season by season and see how we're feeling, because. You know, there's a thing that I pitched. Uh, I've pitched every season, and I put it up on the board, and I'm like, okay, midway through the season, this happens. And both seasons, that thing has just gotten pushed off the board because we had so much story before it. And every time we come back, more, I'll put it in. I can't say what it is, but I'll put it up there, and I'm like, okay, and then remember, this happens, which is a big thing for Barry's journey. And then 
we just keep finding more stuff to do. And then I'm like, okay, so I guess that's not happening again this season. You think you might pull that? I mean, I'm going to try. I always, I always put <laughs> it up there. Through, yeah. But it's a nice thing because it, it is like a, a big curve. It's a big, it's a big turning point for his character. And so when you put that up there, people, you know, go, oh, cool. But before that happens, maybe let's try this and try that. And then it, it kind of, it kind of expands. And and uh, so we keep finding stories. What I'm trying to say, I guess. And and uh, as long as we can, then then I would keep doing it. But you know, starting in uh, a month, I get an office at Sony with Liz Sarnoff um, and Alec Berg's doing uh, Silicon Valley, and Liz and I are just going to sit in an office with a whiteboard and going, and I'm going to have my notebooks and just going, all right. And it is a version of, like, I had a Rite Aid fight idea. Or, like, for season two, it was, like, Rite Aid fight, uh, Fuchs's tooth, remember the tooth, Loach, you know, this, that, you know, Sally's ex. She mentions her ex, so maybe that guy could come back. That would be a big deal. And then the idea of big on the board. Barry realizes that he has an inherent violence, that he is a violent piece of shit, that it's not a thing that he's going to be able to get. At first season, it was like, I want to stop doing this. Season two should be, it's ingrained in you. And then maybe it's ingrained in everybody. You know, and so, oh, that's interesting. And so, um, and then these things just, they kind of just snowball as you just keep talking about them. But, um, I mean, I saw Alec a, like a, a couple of weeks ago, and we have no idea what he's, I'm like, I'm like, man, we really wrote ourselves into a corner. And he's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this town has a bad habit of putting people in boxes. Mm-hmm. You're brilliant with impersonations. Mm-hmm. One, what this project has shown is that, and I know you've you've written on 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 South Park, but what this has shown is that you're you're a filmmaker, you're a brilliant writer, and you're 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 such a sublime actor. Well, I mean, you. you're playing such a such a tortured guy, and you're real yeah. like this season. You really went deeper with him yeah. than it, to a place that it was like, wow, well, this is very serious. This yeah. isn't a joke. Yeah. This isn't all haha. This is this is about a real person who's really suffering here. Was it was there ever an, coming out of SNL? Was there an, a challenge? Did you ever feel like, you know, I got to get out of this box because I'm, you know, more than you know, I'm more than this. Um, it, it, it was all kind of gradual. I mean, the minute I got, I mean, I should back up. When I moved out here in 1999, um, it I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be a filmmaker since I was probably about 10, you know. Uh, no, I always would just notice the director's names at the end of movies and be like, wow, okay, that person is the same person who did this. And I, you know, and I was a movie fanatic from a very young age and would just watch anything. And um, and then and when I was 15, I actually started shooting stuff with dad's recorder and everything. And then... Um, and then this thing where I moved to L.A., and then you start working as a PA, and then I lost my confidence. I went, oh, wow, everybody wants to do what I want to do, you know? And I um, kind of lo- really lost my confidence and stopped making stuff. I stopped writing. I stopped doing all that and just went, well, I, you know, I'll get my days, and I'll be an AD or whatever. And then I, no, I want to make stuff, so I got a job as an assistant editor because the hours were a little bit better. 
and still wasn't making stuff because um, <laughs> I was nervous. And then, uh, and then I uh, started taking classes at Second City LA purely because a guy named Eric Filipkowski said, you should come take classes. And he's a guy I was a PA with on uh, The Surreal Life, that reality show. And uh, I went and did it. And, um, and then that weirdly ended up becoming a thing where I got <laughs> – Megan Mullally saw me. I got Saturday Night Live. And so um, it was this long – even when I was on SNL the entire time, I was like the resident movie geek and trying to write scripts and um, – hanging out watching the lonely online guys work and those guys were making shorts and i was man that's what i want to be doing but i had i just oh, I was so i had no faith in myself and then um it wasn't until we started doing documentary now and hanging out with reese uh, thomas and alex buno and 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 watching them that i felt a little bit more confident of like oh this these ideas that we're all talking about were pulling off i mean it's a collaborative thing. It's those guys. And uh, I felt a little bit better. So then when Barry came up, I said, I want to direct it. And, you know, Casey Boys, and have you ever directed before? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of looked at Alec, and Alec was like, I'll be on set. It'll be fine, you know. Um, and then, yeah, and then I think when I directed the pilot, it was just a feeling of, oh, man, I've wanted to do this. This is home. This is what I've wanted to do, and I'm so glad I finally got the confidence in myself to do it. You know? Now, um, I read earlier – I read in an interview you did earlier this year. There's, is there a feature you're prepping? I'm writing a feature, yeah. It's not fully um, – it's just I'm just writing it right now, but I don't think it would be a thing that I would be in. It would just be a thing I uh, direct. Have, have you gone? has your phone – I mean – has anyone called you up to direct any action films? <laughs> Has Nick Cage called? <laughs> no. Uh, no. You no, know you want really. to do a Nick Cage yeah. film. Yeah, oh, I would to love do to do a Nick Cage movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. Those guys don't. No, I, I think um, – I don't know what the word on me is, whether it's like, oh, I'm sure people are like, oh, he's doing his show, so it's, he's busy. You know, or, or they just aren't – I don't know. They're not interested. So more, more milking here. Uh, can we hear more sounds from you in Rise of Skywalker? You can't even you can't even say that because no, I didn't do anything in the Last Jedi. I just did uh, Force Awakens, but that thing has kind of been blown out of proportion because those BB-8 sounds anybody and their brother could do it. I'm, I'm talking through a, a hose. I'm just going <laughs> through a hose. Did you That's get it. the job off of the the Tauntaun impersonation? No, JJ. No, JJ brought me in initially to watch Force Awakens to pitch jokes, to pitch comedy. One of them, I pitched a bunch of stuff. One of them ended in, up in the movie where the beginning of the movie when uh, Adam Driver approaches um, Oscar um, and uh, says, uh, and they stare at each other, and then Oscar says. Um, uh, who speaks? Do I talk or do you talk? How does this work? You know, that was like something I pitched. And then I pitched probably 25 other things. <laughs> and uh, and JJ's like, I used one of your things. <laughs> and I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, it's right at the beginning of the movie. Um, so I, I was there for that. And then he was like, hey, do you want to do the voice of this uh, BB-8 thing? So I tried doing it as a voice and it was terrible 
And then Gary Rystrom tried to add a bunch of effects and fuck with my voice, and we worked on it forever, and it just wasn't working. And then finally he called me. He goes, it's, it's a talk box, like the Peter Frampton talk box, but it goes into this, this weird um, app on, a, on an iPad. So all those BB-8 noises are me talking into this talk box. It's basically like a big hose. It's like talking into a garden hose. And J.J. sitting there pushing the buttons on an iPad. And then, uh, and then that was it. And now for the rest of my life, everywhere I go, people have BB-8 toys that they want me to sign. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't I, – you could have done that. They, they, haven't, they don't need to ask me to do it for any of the other ones because it's super easy to – so you go into the writer's room in another – Yeah, another... so September is when we start, and then the writer's room starts in earnest in October. Okay, and then you start shooting – I don't know yet. We're still figuring that out. Um, yeah, we have – there's all a bunch of stuff. Everyone's trying to figure out, you know, the possibility of an impending uh, <gasps> That's right. you know, strike in May Yeah, and uh, all these things. For writers. For, For writers, writers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're trying to trying to figure out – Trying to figure out a schedule around that. Got it. Got it. And Empress of Serenity is that? That's I don't know what's happening. That that's one. Of, I will say that is one of the best scripts I've ever read. And uh, Jesse Andrews and uh, that uh, that is one of the funniest scripts I've I've ever read. And I I'd love to do it someday. But it, it, the whole thing takes place on a ship, and um, they just can't. Yeah, I, I don't know budgetary wise like how. You know, practical it is to shoot the whole thing on a big ship. So, um, before I go, uh, before we go, I wanted to ask you about: Can you tell us about your audition for SNL? Like oh, what you brought? Yeah. Um, what characters you did? I did. Horatio, by the way, did. I just happen to know his Truman Capote was one of. Oh, his. I never saw his yeah. Truman Capote. Oh my gosh! I remember doing Aaron Neville. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, I did Vinny Vedecci, who, who the Italian talk show host, uh-huh. and it was him doing impressions. And so it was, it was like Vinny Vedecci was was auditioning for Saturday Night Live. So it was Vinny Vedecci saying, hello, Lauren, Tina Fey, hello, everyone, you know, or whatever. And um, you did Al Pacino, um, James Mason, um and then I had to do the morning of my audition. Uh, they called and said, um, "Hey, you have to do a political impression, and it can't be George Bush, who was the president at the time." Shit! So I just turned on the television in my hotel room in New York, and my audition's in like two hours. I turn on the thing, and there's Parliament on C-SPAN or something, and I'm watching Tony Blair, and I was like, "Oh!" So I watched Tony Blair for a little bit. And I call my friend who's British. I go, all right, who's this? I did it. And he's like, is that supposed to be Tony Blair? And I was like, fuck, I'll call you right back. And, uh, <laughs> and I work on it a little bit longer. I call him back. I'm like, is, that, is this better? And he was like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, man. And, uh, and uh, so then I, I go to my audition. And then I was just, uh, I thought I was going to pass out. And uh, I was so nervous. And, um, and then uh, uh, uh you know, they go, you're going to go first. And then I ended up waiting for another two hours while other people went ahead of me. I don't know why. And then, uh, but you could hear their auditions being pumped in. So it, you were hearing other people do other 
thing. You're so, kidding me. Yeah, there's a great impressionist named James Adomian, and he was oh, doing. Yeah, yeah he's, he does Bernie. Yeah, he yeah. does. Uh, he his George Bush was unreal, and he auditioned the same year I did. And I remember just hearing him do his impression. Oh my god, this guy's amazing. Ah, fuck, you know. And then and um, and then I, I later I said that later on the show I was like, yeah, I heard everything, and and. Uh, so I was like, no, there's a knob you're supposed to turn down in the dressing room. And I, I mine was just up, but I didn't know that. So you had so all of this going I had this, audition. I had this, and I think oh, it geez. wasn't like, it wasn't a thing they were doing. I think the knob was just on. <laughs> all I had to do was go like that, and it would have been fine. But I went, oh, this is like, this is like to fuck with my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, no, dude, just flip that off. I was like, oh, oh. Um, wow. And afterwards, our friends, some of my friends who also had auditioned, I was like, did you guys, you know, they, they, they pump in the other day. No, that didn't happen. I was like, oh, no. I'm just like, so what oh. was your feeling walking away? Did you feel like, I got this? It felt, no, no, it, it, but it felt good because I, I finished my audition, and then after I finished my audition, they broke for lunch. And Michael Shoemaker ran over to me and said, uh, hey, wh- where are you going for um, lunch? Um, he goes, oh, we're breaking for lunch. Um, what do you, what are you doing tonight? And I go, oh, we're just hanging out. And he's like, well, if you want to go, go, go to a good restaurant, go to this place. I went, oh, okay. And my other friend who had auditioned with me, Andrew said, he didn't say that to me, man. <laughs> and I was like, right. Well, I don't know. And they were all very sweet. But at that dinner, everyone was like, I feel like Bill, you did really well and, and everything. But, um, I didn't know, and then um, just because I auditioned like that, though, I remember landing back in L.A. after my audition. My audition was July 21st, 2005, and um, I landed, and then on August 12th was when they called and told me I got the show. Wow. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah, I remember that really well. That's fantastic. Crazy. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> my uh – 